Hey there, folks. It's your co-host with the Comos, Phil Nelson here, welcoming you to the 79th edition of OpenCV Weekly, Audio Flavor. Thank you for joining us again on the audio edition of this very visual show. You can find the original video version by searching for OpenCV Weekly on YouTube. Thank you for listening and subscribing, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to OpenCV Weekly Webinar. I am Dr. Satya Malik, and today we have with us uh, a guest who has uh, who has been with us for a long time. He has been mm -hmm. on the show several times. Yelu is the CEO of Cortec Technology, and their team, Cortec Tigers, actually won the grand prize in the OpenCV AI competition 2021 uh, with their you know, very cute robot called Charlie 2.0. And today Ye will share some valuable insights into building AI applications more efficiently. But first with me as always is Phil Nelson, who is the director of content and creative at OpenCV. Phil. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Once again, it is I, the co-host with the co-most, back to being a co-host. The second banana who is second to none, your plus one and only. You may notice we are not in the beautiful OpenCV Weekly Studio this week due to some issues. Again, we think the cat might have got into some stuff. It might be mad because it doesn't have a name yet. It's tough to tell I don't speak cat. However, we've got a couple of things I'm going to remind you about at the top of the show here. First of all, we do a giveaway to you and the audience in the Zoom chat. If you're not in the Zoom chat, you can get there by going to opencv.live. We'll be doing a giveaway at the end of the presentation based on a trivia question, which you'll find the answer to in the presentation. So stick around and pay attention. We'll also be taking Q&A from you in the audience. Please use the little Zoom Q&A button at the bottom of your screen or ask your question in the chat system of wherever you're watching us, YouTube, Twitch, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, man, it's all good. Also, we've got a heap and helping of OpenCV related news this morning to start off the show. I'm gonna share my screen real quick here and show you all a few really, really cool things. Uh-huh. So first, um, starting off with OpenCV AI scavenger hunt. Uh, a lot of you have been playing. This is a week three of the scavenger hunt. If you haven't played or you haven't even heard of it yet, the way this works is each Monday in October, this is the third week, we give you two AI models from OpenVINO notebooks. We give you two clues and one AI generated image. Your goal is to use the clues and the notebooks to guess the prompt used to generate this AI image. This is week three's image you can see there. Week two is down here. The answer to this one was longicorn, which is a kind of beetle, but the AI uh, in interpreted that you know, as like a unicorn kind of thing, which was really interesting. This was our first one that uh, I believe a Christian, um, no, it wasn't Christian, it was um, maybe, maybe Pierre. One of the submitters here actually guessed it perfectly, which shocked me. Perfect. Um, yeah, to the to the letter, uh, longicorn, comma, space, modern was the <laughs> exact wow. prompt here. Yeah, um, the first one was much longer. This one is uh, a Halloween carved pumpkin with a cute Pembroke Welsh Corgi. Unreal Engine render. Um, congratulations to uh, Druve, who won the weekly drawing. If you answer correctly, you'll be entered in a $125 weekly drawing, as well as a $500 drawing at the end of the contest. Um, congratulations to Christian S, who won the $125 weekly prize in week two. Um, you can play. It's free. Go to opencv.org slash hunt. You've still got two weeks to participate and be uh, entered for $125 for the next two weeks and $500 at the end of the contest. The folks that have answered every week and gotten it correctly will be entered for a $3,000 grand prize. So. Uh, good luck to all of you that have still done that. I believe there are three or four people still left in the running, so it's, uh, it's so, exciting. So uh, the grand prize, aren't we selecting? I thought we were selecting it based so, on uh, who has the closest front. And if there is a tie, we will do a... It, it will, so basically you get, you know, you kind of get points per, per week. Um, if you've answered correctly, 
you're you're at the top of the you know top of the pile as it were it may just be that only one person answers all four That's weeks right. and they yeah. just win <laughs> um right. if if three people if three people get it uh we'll split it three ways um yes that's th those are the rules thanks for reminding me of that satya um moving on we've also got uh a big update on OpenCV ai competition 2022 um if I can remember the web page here, there it is. Um, I'll, I'll cut this part out and make myself look better. OpenCV AI <laughs> Competition 2022. We uh, have selected the 25 teams for the spatial AI track that are tasked with improving the uh, depth estimation of the Oak D Pro, which is the latest and greatest OpenCV AI kit. I actually, in fact, I have one here in the studio. I'll grab it. I got this uh, sweet, sweet baby here. You can see in the in the chat there. Um, the the biggest thing here, of course, is that it now has a built-in laser. So you know, uh, avoid looking directly into the laser with your remaining the dot projector. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it also has a floodlight, so it has a right. It's an infrared infrared has... flood, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, very similar to if you followed my career or you recognize me from stuff. Very similar to the structure sensor in the way that it works. Um, so yes, uh, congratulations to all of those teams. Uh, I was going to read your names, but I forgot to make a list of your names that I can read out loud. So sorry about that. Um, but uh, congratulations and best of luck. Uh, every, you all have until um, October 18, 2022 to uh, crank out some incredible improvements to depth estimation on OpenCV AI Kit D Pro. Also, OpenCV face recognition. Uh, that's December. Yeah, right. So I said, yep. Yeah, December eighteen. Yeah. Yep. Uh, also, OpenCV face recognition just launched. Satya, would you like to talk a little bit about this? Yeah, but uh, right before that, uh, the, there are two tracks to that previous competition. Sure. It is. Yeah, we, uh, we can. The we spatial can talk AI a little bit track. about the other one. Yeah, and the core OpenCV track. The core OpenCV track is still open. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, you have until uh, the end of this month uh, to submit a proposal, but. It yep. is completely open, right? There is no, um, that deadline is also kind of weak. You should just work on your project and uh, submit, uh, you know, a one pager proposal is sufficient because we are going to judge it based on the finals, whatever you submit uh, in the final. There is, the proposal is for, for us to know, you know, what you're working on and if we can suggest something um, useful. But uh, I would think, I, I would suggest that, you know, go and dive into this, if you miss the spatial AI part, you should just go and dive into this track of the competition. Yeah. And it is pretty open-ended. You can pretty much choose any problem that you wish to solve using software, hardware, anything, right? Uh, build something interesting using computer vision. Yeah, we, we had a bunch of people, uh, so a few emails in our inbox. They were sort of confused. Um, that's a competition at opencv.org. They were sort of confused expecting that we were going to choose uh, teams for a phase two of the core open CV track. That's not the case for this competition. Basically, you just have to send us a, a PDF telling us what you're working on, and we'll tell you, great, <laughs> go ahead, make it awesome. Um, unless, yeah. of course, it's something we find physically repellent, um, in which case we'll say, please don't do that. But I mean, it's open source. We can't really stop you. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, that, uh, moving on to OpenCV yeah. face recognition. Satya, would you like to talk a little bit about this? Yeah, so OpenCV face recognition, you know, we, uh, when we started OpenCV, one of the main, um, one of the main attractions of where the library really took off was this implementation of face detection, not recognition, but detection. Uh, it was mm -hmm. an algorithm by Viola and Jones. So that was the, you know, uh, in, uh, that was how the whole thing started. But gradually we saw that, you know, uh, face recognition has advanced so much that it is almost impossible to uh, to have the state of the art in this domain without having a dedicated large team working on it day in and day out. Mm -hmm. And so what we decided is that, uh, you know, we partnered with this company uh, called Seven Sense. They already had uh, a model that was in the top 10 in NIST, which is a face recognition a grand challenge. And so we decided we'll partner with these guys. I did uh, some of the tests myself. Uh, I actually put them on the spot at Embedded Vision Summit 
uh, last time. And mm -hmm. because they were saying that they had made good progress and, you know, so using my ID, they enrolled me using my face and then uh, verified it using my uh, driver's license. And you can see, mm -hmm. right, it's not, even for humans, it's difficult to match uh, from a real picture and driver's license. There's a lot of things. So yeah, every every point. bouncer in the world would agree with that one. <laughs> every every doorman, every bouncer, yeah. Right. So uh, I I haven't had a long career in that, you know. But yes, I I, I guess uh, they will. You, you never used it. you've never used a fake ID to get into a, a bar when you were like 19 years old. Well, I started drinking, anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fine, um, just make so, make me look like an alky, Jesus. <laughs> I grew up in India. My dad was in sure. uh, the military. I don't need an ID to drink yeah. at the age of 10. Uh, anyways, can you cut that out, please? <laughs> <laughs> Not now, I can't. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Seven yeah, Sense, uh, it's, they, they ha we have partnered with OpenCV, uh, you know, Seven Sense to bring a face recognition. And... Um, if you sign up uh, using that page, we will give free credits to 100 uh, people, which, you know, okay. uh, that's that's great. This is one of the things that I do for uh, our users. I squeeze these companies who are partners with us to give free stuff to our uh, users. That's right. But I think this is going to be really good. You know, it would be an API. It will also have a PIP version, which you can install. But it is a commercial uh version of because mm -hmm. you know face recognition it requires a lot of investment etc so it is a commercial version there will be a free version that people can try but uh with volume we will need uh you know uh, it will be a premium kind of model uh so yeah please uh, sign up and uh, we'll notify you when it's uh, ready early no early november is what the current target is and we'll be rolling it out the people who registered earlier will get first access and then gradually they'll be rolling out Excellent. All right, those that's all for the the myriad OpenCV updates this morning. Uh, I think we'll I'm gonna stop sharing my screen here and we will turn it over to our esteemed guest, Ye Lu of Cortic Technology. Ye, take it away. Thank you, Phil. Uh, let me share my screen. Mm -hmm. um, Looks good. See the slides? Okay, great. So hi, hi guys. Uh, my name is Ye, and uh, uh, I'm the topic for today is to talk about rapid AI application development. But before I do that, uh, I want to do a little recap about what the OpenCV competition meant for us last year. So basically, we went into the competition with the mission to democratize AI for everyone. So we, we try to do that with uh, Singapore computer and Legos, and the competition actually provided a whole bunch of values for us. Uh, and here I'm listing the top three values. So by participating in this competition, it was a great opportunity for us to get to know the AI landscape. I believe last time there were uh, more than 1,200 entries into phase one. 1,400. So, 1,400. 1,400. Yeah. 1,400 entries. So they're from all over the world. So it, it was a Good opportunity to see what everybody's working on and to talk to a lot of different developers. So yeah. uh, the result of that is that potentially there, there are lots of partnership opportunities. So and all of the developers I talk to, they're all very friendly and they're all eager to work with us. So <laughs> we were really happy, uh, happy to, to, to see that. And one of the most important things. Uh, or one of the most important takeaways from the uh, OCD AI competition is that it gave us a chance to figure out what the industry pain points are. So by talking to the developers, uh, well, we, we, we get to find out what their daily challenges are for building AI uh, applications. So this this is what stems uh, for the, the uh, presentation today. So we're trying to figure out what what we can do to uh, to make building AI applications quickly and more efficiently. So, um, well, there is a, an astonishing statistic floating on the web uh, recently. So it was actually from a Gartner report uh, this year in January. It says that 85% of all AI projects ended up failing. 
this is an enormous number. So if we somehow think that AI is going to have a tremendous impact in the world, we need to substantially reduce this number. So if we ask ourselves, why do all those AI projects fail? Well, for, for us, we did some investigation and we talked to a bunch of people and we came up with the following uh, reasons. Um, first, in order to, for AI to succeed, you have to have a very well curated data set. And then you have to, you have to be able to correct your labels. You have to uh, be able to do reliable tests to see if your, uh, uh, if your trained model is actually improving the accuracy and so on. So this was, uh, well, was kind of difficult before, but I'm sure all, for all the uh, uh, attendees to this uh, OCD webinar, we're probably familiar with this tool called RoboFlow. So <laughs> RoboFlow, I found, is an awesome tool for, for this purpose. Um, you, 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 can, you can submit your data set, you can uh, provide labels, you, you can train your models and you can evaluate the accuracy. So if you haven't already, I strongly uh, recommend that you check out RoboFlow if you are having yeah. issues with uh, data yeah, you can You can try out RoboFlow by going to roboflow.com slash OpenCV. Okay. So uh, aside from data management, um, in order to have a, a, a good quality uh, AI project built, you, you have to have skilled AI engineers. But skilled AI engineers are very difficult to find. Uh, one of the, I think the, the root of the problem is that uh, it's hard to get started with uh, learning AI. For example, uh, if you're a high school kid, it's next to impossible for you to to learn the uh, the insights and uh, the ins and outs of uh, AI because if you go on the web and you try to find a tutorial, uh, they they talk about uh, college level math to start. So this is most people get turned away from that because they find it too difficult. There's too much time investment, and even if you get past that, uh, you try to set up some of the open source projects. It's hard. You have to install a lot of dependencies and, uh, and so on. It's just too much friction. Lots of people are turned away by that. So again, uh, besides this problem, uh, AI projects themselves are very architecturally complex because um, if, if you have a, a non-trivial AI project, it usually means that there, you have to use a, a mix of different hardware environments or different uh, operating systems, then they need to work together somehow. So to, to have a successful project, it needs to be architected very, very well. And then uh, experimenting with different AI technology tends to be difficult. Well, this actually uh, has to do with uh, what I just talked about, because uh, just providing education for people to uh, providing an opportunity for people to explore is difficult because setting setting up the uh, uh, even the open source project can be non-trivial sometimes. Also, one of the most important things that we've found in developing our own AI project is that the traditional waterfall model of software development doesn't really work because you can't you can't keep uh, keep your head down and develop your project for a year before you show it to your customers and, and then try to evaluate whether your, your AI project actually solves their problem. You can't do that. You have to do it iteratively. So it means that it, it, it needs to be, you need to come up with a really fast prototype and show it to your customers, get their feedback and then iterate. So also if you're a data scientist uh, and your data is partitioned, uh, partitioned all over different servers, it can be very difficult for you to, to do data visualization. <laughs> so if, you, and if you're a data scientist and you can't visualize the data, uh, the data it can be a problem for you. So, and most importantly, what we found is that after you deploy your project to your customers, your work is not done. You, you actually need to manage your deployment. You, you have to provide monitoring for, 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 for the AI. Uh, for the AI project, and in order for for it to collect uh, meaningful data, so so what can we do to to address these problems? Well, I, I talked about RoboFlow, but data management. But hopefully, we're we're going to be able to tackle the other points uh, in, in my talk here. So, what we think the the solution should be is that 
it needs to be a cloud management platform for AI, uh, edge AI devices. Right now, because of the uh, because of that last problem uh, for deployment management and monitoring, a lot of people turn to cloud-based AI solutions, but it doesn't really work for real-time application because uh, cloud-based cloud AI introduces a lot of latency. So if if you're if you're faced with that problem, you probably want to move your AI inference to the edge. So I, I think a good compromise for us is to have a cloud management platform, but it also it needs to manage all the AI edge devices. Also, uh, in order for AI to be uh, to be decoupled from the actual business logic, uh, we are proposing to uh, to use a standardized protocol for uh, microservice based uh, AI deployment. And going with that, we need a, a very easy API for service instantiation and invocation. Also, um, we need an edge computing platform to support and host uh, locally deployed microservices. And last but not least, of course, we need an intuitive UI library to support easy data visualization. Hopefully, these will uh, address some of the pain points that I uh, that I talked about previously. So here I'm gonna attempt a few live demos. Hopefully this will go up, go well for us, just like uh, what hey, happened last time. I love live <laughs> demos. My favorite thing. All right. So um, uh, can you see my browser window? Sure yeah. can. Okay, great. So this is the uh, uh, the cloud management platform that I'm talking about. So in here, you can see that I've already set up a bunch of uh, different devices uh, using different operating systems, different hardware. Some of them are online, some of them are not available right now. And for you can uh, on our platform, you can deploy arbitrary uh, apps to 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 this uh, Google hardware. They will function as a single unit to to try to offer the compute capability that you need for your app. And also there's a console uh, that will display everything that happens or any error that you might see. So um, I, I have a few apps that have already been uploaded you can click yeah. the upload button to upload your app. And then yeah. uh, from the app, you can deploy it to any, any hub you want. And I've just because of time, um, I've already uh, deployed some of the apps already. So let me go back to my slide and then I, I promised uh, something about making AI application development easier. Well, let's, let's do a, a really small Hello World app, but it, it's an AI application. So it's not going to be the tree line Hello World. It's going to be slightly more involved. So let me, let me show you uh, maybe the code very quickly. So the, the, the main, the main program for, for this Hello World is slightly more involved. It's 50 something lines, but most, most of that stuff is just to set up the, uh, uh, the, the data source, the camera, and, and to where you want to display the image and so on. But the actual, uh, the actual substance is in this uh, process loop. Basically, you can see that uh, uh, is acquiring a uh, uh, an image from a, a, a camera source, and then it's calling this face mesh estimation task. This is actually a microservice hosted on this platform. So, uh, what I mean by uh, easy uh, service invocation is that all the service invocations should look like function calls, local function calls, and that's what we're trying to do. And you, you can assign the uh, input image into the fish mesh task and you can just send it out. And if you're a seasoned AI engineer, you probably noticed that uh, I'm not doing anything special uh, for, for to handle any asynchronous events because <laughs> uh, model inference doesn't happen instantly. So usually people, uh, people do it uh, asynchronously by uh, defining callbacks or listeners and stuff. I'm not doing any of that. So the reason why we don't have to is because uh, we're trying to make asynchronous programming just as easy as synchronous programming. So you, you can just write out your um, uh, your program 
as if they're sequential and we'll, we'll, we'll handle all this asynchronous stuff for you on the back end. So without further ado, let me, uh, let me show you how this program runs. So, so this is the fish mesh program. Uh, I already, um, I already deployed. It's actually using the OP camera. So if I hit right here. So this app, uh, the the app you just the code that you just showed, yeah. is it uh, that uh, is it the same code that was uploaded? Uh, yeah, in, that is okay. that same code, and this is the code that's currently running. So you can okay. see that it's actually um, uh, sending all the uh, video and the data everything. It's a very, a very nice UI you've you all have built here. Um, I'd, oh, I'd like to you. know a little bit more about how this this all works. Sure. Yeah, we can talk offline if you like. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you can see everything running here, and uh, because we're using an OP camera, it knows the depth. So if I move further away, you can see that my distance is further away. If I move closer, it's closer. But so that's the little... that's the thing on the uh, on the left hand side. That's right. Um, that's the uh, distance slider on the left hand okay. side. So okay. you notice that because it's streaming over the web, it's a little choppy, right? Yeah. So but there's no reason why I can't look at the uh, the locally running program because it's running on my Mac for the yeah. demo purpose, right? So, so, so uh, just just so we understand, uh, yeah. so you uploaded this uh, code and that got deployed to the OD. Uh, where did it get deployed to? Uh, it got deployed okay. to your uh, local machine? That That is a great point. So uh, I'm gonna answer that uh, in the next demo. So uh, the short answer is that it doesn't really matter, but uh, I'm going to make it uh, clear in the next time. Okay. So in here, you can see that uh, we have a uh, we, we have an application, a Mac application running locally. Basically, it offers the same kind of view as the, uh, the, the web-based application. And what what it can do is that I can switch over to the uh, app view. You can see that hey, this is the same app running. You can see it running locally as well as on the web. And mm. you can see that this is actually very smooth running locally. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you can tell the difference over Zoom. Um, there, yeah, it's, it's actually a little bit smoother locally. Can, we can tell the difference, yeah. Oh, perfect. Uh, there's actually uh, a few interesting things that I want to point out. Uh, one thing here is that uh, if you look at the face mesh, it's actually being baked into the the image over here. So before we send the image out to the to the web and to to any of the receiving sources, we're we're baking in that drawing. But the 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 HUD or the the little piece of UI on the left hand side, this does not begin. This is actually being rendered uh, on the client. So if you if you're using a web client, this is being rendered on your browser. So so. I'm just trying to illustrate the flexibility uh, in, in which you can compose your your results here, and um, and also because this is a hello world application. If you look at the console, you go going here. Wow, you see the hello world text. And the this is from the yeah. <laughs> this is from from the console output, and, and I just want to point out because the. This is the standard OpenCV drawing routine that you can see. I'm drawing on the image here, and yep. this is this is the uh, measurement bar. This is the the client side drawing. The uh, special thing about this program is that it allows all of the uh, uh, coherent components to live in the same project. You don't have to uh, distribute it over uh, different projects and manage them differently. Everything stays in one place, and everything handles the same. Same data input and output. So, uh, okay, let me let me stop this for now. Oops. Let me stop this and get rid of that. And it's also stopped locally as well. So, but sometimes uh, you, you may have to ask, uh, what, what if I'm a student? I, I just started out and I don't have any. Uh, specialized uh, AI accelerator devices like the OP. Well, would your, would your Hello World app still run? Well, it should because Hello World is a, is a program that should run everywhere, right? So 
So instead, what we need to do, what, what we can do to simulate this is to take down the uh, OB host here. And we're, we're going to bring up a uh, webcam host because all of, all of the computers nowadays that webcams building. So, so this is active now. And then if you don't have any uh, AI, AI inferencing, uh, specialized inferencing devices or accelerators, well, everybody's got a mobile phone, right? So let me start up our a device running on the mobile phone. So you can see that this my iPhone just went active because it started my uh, device manager. So again, if I go into the if I go into the app and hit run, remember I didn't I have done no code modification. Everything stayed the same. And I should be able to get that image somehow. Live demo. Oh, good. the uh, start. Exciting. Ah, restart. Restart. It's funny. Oh, that, let me let me start this. Hey, uh, software can hear. Yeah, because uh, I didn't hit stream to cloud. So ah. anyway, you, yeah. Anyway, you see the same application which runs with a completely different uh, hardware configuration with no modification at all. So, so this so is running are, on the phone. Yeah, this is running on the okay. phone, and 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 the result is actually being piped over here, just as if uh, you're using a local device. Right. So, uh, just so I know, so you, you uh, wanted this... to see what what's actually uh, running here. So you can go to devices. And you can see that this, you can see the task ex executing here. And you can see the load because the iPhone is pretty fast. So yeah. this face matching is very simple and it's only doing about 12% of load. So if I stop it, you can see the load dropping. Yeah, it's going to drop to about 4%. Neat. Yeah. So anyway, so our, our design goal is so that uh, you can deploy your app anywhere with uh, without knowing the infrastructure behind it, as long as you have the required services hosted on your platform. It should just run exactly the same way as it run anywhere else. So let's continue on. So with all of the uh, uh, AI development, a crucial step for, for, for a successful AI project will involve some kind of AI model tuning. There is one open source project that I can't recommend enough. It's called Apache, uh, the Apache TBN project. So we run all our models through this uh, tuner to, to, to make it more efficient if we know the target platform. So what, what, what this uh, Apache project does is that it's a, a model compiler and a uh, optimizer. So it compiles the, uh, the models in TensorFlow, PyTorch, or Onyx formats into its own intermediate representation. And then it, 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 it does a bunch of optimization and then it uh, outputs it into a machine language code that you can uh, you can use in your uh, Python program or Rust program. So just so, uh, one, one, yeah. one quick question. Uh, is it, um, so I've never used uh, Apache TVM. Uh, is it very close to what OpenVINO and TensorRT these uh, these are trying to uh, accomplish is it a competing uh, sort of technology? Yes, it's very similar, except that yep. it supports many many uh, target platforms. So this okay. supports desktop uh, uh, GPUs, the uh, the uh, it, um, the AI accelerators, as well as uh, single board computers, MCUs, everything. So if you know your target platform and you know the if it's not supported by one of the uh, TensorRT or, or whatever, you can use this tool to, to make your model more efficient. And nice. here, here, here's a little comparison uh, for the type of performance gain you can expect. So if you train this model on the desktop uh, computer, you can see that you can expect anywhere from uh, 10 to 700% performance gain. And then if you're working on embedded devices, you, you can get a similar level of uh, speed up as well. So this tool is great, but uh, you, you need to need to constantly monitor 
how your uh, when your model is turning, right? Uh, tuning. So, what can you do? So there 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 is an uh, there there is a big initiative at uh, project is that we need to eat our own dog food. So instead of monitoring everything uh, manually here, we actually wrote a little uh, program to do the monitoring for us on our platform. So I'd love to show that to you. Um, so if I go back here and I go to apps, and there is this model tuning uh, tuner program. So this goes to the uh, to the monitoring of the uh, AI project stuff that I talked about before. So in here, okay, stretch it out a little bit. So you can see that uh, it's a uh, obviously a distributed workflow because uh, uh, one uh, we can manage many different devices and each device can manage different nodes. And then there's a whole bunch of uh, models in here that this program managed. So uh, if I if I choose to <clears throat> if I choose to tune it uh, if I choose to tune it at some other uh, <clears throat> uh, in some other node, I can do that. But I already have something running here, so <clears throat> so this will allow me to monitor how the model is tuning remotely and in real time. It shows me all the log files, and I can see what's being tuned and. The, what the performance gain is and everything, and then I can uh, I, I can stop the model tuning process anytime I want, and then in the future we'll be able to download this model to 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 a service or, or something that we want to post on our platform. And if I stop this program, this doesn't mean that I'm stopping the tuning process. I'm actually just stopping the monitoring. So if I if I start it up again, we're going to see you're going to see it. Uh, the way it was before, and it's still tuning. Yeah. So, great. So, now that I've showed a toy uh, project and a uh, internal tool, maybe some of you might ask, well, this sounds great in theory, but how does it work in the real world? Well, this is something I want to show as well. <clears throat> because uh, AI is supposed to help people. So the first group of people that we think that AI can help is people that suffer from Parkinson's disease. So right now, if you have Parkinson's disease, <clears throat> and you go and visit your, your uh, neurologist, uh, the, the doctor will have to spend a lot of time <clears throat> accessing the, uh, the progression of your disease. Basically, it will tell you to do, <clears throat> excuse me, He'll tell you to do a whole bunch of uh, uh, small tasks, and then he'll evaluate from looking at how you're performing those tasks. But what if we can automate that and, and free up the doctor's time to do additional research, or maybe he can just spend time with the, the patient's family to talk about alternative treatment plans and, and so on. So this is exactly what we're building here. And we're working with the uh, Pacific Parkinson's uh, disease research center at the University of British Columbia for this uh, uh, project. So uh, let me show you what this project looks like running in real time. So oh, I need to mention that uh, the leader of this project is Dr. Uh, Martin McCallum from the University of British Columbia. So right. So th this is actually. Stretch it out a little bit. This is not a login screen, but it's actually a screen to match you with the patient record. So if I touch me myself and, uh, and then I'll just use one, two, three, five as my uh, patient ID. I can log in. And then you can you can self-serve. You can you can perform uh, a number of those uh, tasks yourself instead of having your doctor uh, trying to tell you what to do. So let me show you this task. A finger tapping task, it will, it will explain what you need to do. And if I continue, it will tell you, hey, I don't see your right hand right now. Maybe you need to reach your right hand. So I reach the right, my right hand and it goes into here. And then it'll wait for me until I tap my finger. When I tap my finger, it will Sweet. produce a plot. Wow. And it will compute all the uh, all the required numbers that the doctors want to see. And then, oh, uh, I need to switch my left hand now. So 
There we go. Finishing on that panel. Let me do the same. This is very, very nice, uh, very nice UX work here. Yeah, yeah thank you. It's very smooth. Uh, about the UX, it was actually uh, the, the thing about uh, easy UI construction. Um, building this UI is actually trivial on our platform. So uh, I, I'd love to show you more, but I don't think I have time to do that. But uh, um, another thing that we can do is to track diet movements. So, um, so the doctor is looking for something called uh, OKN, which stands for optokinetic nystagmus. Uh, so basically, we need to uh, the patient needs to watch a bunch of uh, scripts being animated, and then uh, uh, in different directions, of course. And then go go up and down. And anyway, I, I think you get the idea. But in the background, oh, because we can't show any of the tracking uh, statistics on screen because we don't want to uh, uh, distract the patients. But yeah. Uh, under the hood, what we're doing is that we're actually doing this. So this is what uh, the kind of stats that we're actually tracking. We're, we're, we're doing the distance. We're actually using a uh, OP camera for that. Uh, we're tracking oh. the distance between your head and the uh, the screen, and we're tracking your gaze. We're tracking your facial movements. You're, we're, we're actually computing your uh, your your uh, head motion and everything else. I and mean, we're uh, computing the displacement of your iris and the number of blinks. And in here, for stop this. In here, so if you look at the uh, uh, the displacement of the iris over time, you can see that it actually, for normal people, it needs to look something like this. It needs to have this sawtooth pattern. And but for uh, Parkinson's disease uh, patient, so the control group, this is uh, still sawtooth pattern, but for uh, people with Parkinson's disease, and depending on how advanced the disease is, you can see that the sawtooth pattern goes away. So this is what the doctor looks at to uh, to decide how advanced your uh, your your Parkinson's uh, disease is. So in here, we're also working with uh, it's an ongoing project, and we're also working on different modules. One of the other modules that we were thinking of. Uh, is probably a uh, gait tracking module to, to monitor how people are walking and whether they, they will suffer from falls or whether they, they, they're balanced correctly. So for this project, uh, this is another cool piece of part where we're thinking of supporting. This is the uh, Microsoft Azure Connect camera that we're going to be supporting on our platform as well. So uh, this, again, is very similar to the OP. The reason why we're not using the OP for this is because we're actually waiting for the next version of OP with, uh, with the uh, much better AI accelerator. But in the meantime, we're going to use this Microsoft camera. So it's very similar to the OP in that it's a depth sensing camera as well, but it offers a slightly more range. So for, for the purpose of gate, I think it suits this application perfectly. Anyway, so this is pretty much all I want to show today. And uh, hopefully uh, I'm able to give you a little glimpse of what uh, AI application development should be like. And it shouldn't have to be frustrating. It shouldn't have to be time consuming. It should be fun for us. So if you check out our website, uh, we have a model that says make, learn, and have fun. So. So basically, that's what we're trying to do. We, we need to make something, learn something every day. And most of all, we need to have fun. So if you're interested in this uh, project, you want some uh, news updates, or you, you want to give us suggestions or whatever, feel free to follow us on Twitter or, or, or LinkedIn. And before we take any questions, hopefully, I'm just going to do this because we're it's, it's almost all. Yes. I, yeah, I want to show one of the projects that we've done using the uh, uh, the software that we built for the uh, previous OpenCV competition. This is a uh, a, com a computer vision driven jack o' lantern. Uh, jack o' lantern. So it uses OP light, and uh, the, the jack o' lantern will follow you around. And if, if it sees a person, it, it will 
uh, try to play some uh, uh, creepy speech, and in the meantime, you'll play some music and stuff. If you want to know, uh, if you want to find out how to build it, there, uh, please check out our blog post. It contains uh, a very detailed building instruction on how you can uh, use Lego motors to drive your jack o' lantern, and all the source code, of course, <laughs> is open source. So very that's nice. it. And yeah, uh, if you have any questions or well, uh, first, I would like to say that I, I love how, uh, you know, you're bold and you always come up with uh, live demos. That's, yes. that's really great. It speaks a lot about how confident you are about the solutions that you're building. So that's, mm -hmm. that's really great. I also really am surprised by how good uh, the UI is. And, you know, it's a, it's a very nicely done app. Uh, now, one question I have is, Let's say in the Parkinson's example you said, right? If you did not have an OD, let's say you had a phone uh, instead, right? Yep. Could you do the same thing? Uh, you know, uh, maybe there is some some uh, level of uh, preparation you need to do. But let's say you have installed things on the user's phone. Could they just do it with the phone instead of uh, needing to have uh, an OD? OD would obviously be better results, mm -hmm. but uh, could they just do it with the phone? Yeah, uh, for the finger tapping, you can definitely do it with the phone. And uh, yeah, the only reason that uh, we need the OD is for depth in those yeah. cases. Uh, yeah. It will give us, uh, uh, it will help us do gaze mapping on the screen for uh, mm -hmm. for for the eye tracking task. But for finger tapping, definitely you can you, you can you can change it to any kind of hardware that that can host the uh, the type of services that we need. Yeah, and the optimization, it is done by the Apache uh, TVM um, you mentioned. Uh, like, for example, you know, uh, when you do iPhone development, uh, AI for iPhones, then you have to be very careful because, you know, there are these 16-bit uh, uh, compute uh, units that if you use them, they are blazingly fast, right? So, and it's different, right? iPhone 12 has a different number of them. iPhone 13 has different than iPhone 14. Yeah. Uh, so how does, uh, so all that comes for free uh, using Apache TVM well, or do you uh, need to tweak? The, the, the iPhone is actually a special case uh, because okay. uh, for the iPhone, you don't really have to do that. iPhone offers uh, a really great SDK called uh, 4ML. So all you have mm -hmm. to do is convert that model for for ML, and all, all the optimization will be done. And then uh, you, you can use for ML just the same way as you do uh, for anything else. You can run inference very efficiently online. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that part I know. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, and uh, forgot to mention that uh, we're we're trying to hit alpha at the beginning of the year. Oh, oh sorry. At, at the end of the year. And hopefully we'll, 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 we'll have a uh, public beta by the first half of next year. Uh, so if you're interested in participating in the beta, please follow us on uh, uh, LinkedIn or uh, Twitter. So uh, yeah. my question is, is uh, are you building the platform or, or are you building specific solutions for, uh, for people? No, we're not building solutions per se, we're building a platform. But in yeah. order for that platform to be useful, we have to do a number of pilot projects. This is what, yes. what we're doing with the University of First Columbia to make sure that, that we address all the needs that, that developers uh, require. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, you don't you don't want to build like a like a cargo cult thing that you know you're you're building a simulacrum of an airplane out of sticks and twigs and hoping that it brings you know, great wealth upon your, yeah. your tribe or whatever. Um, we don't we don't want that. And you get you get that a lot. And especially I think in in AI and computer vision, you do see a lot of these projects that for lack of a better term, they're just simply not dog fooding it. And so the UX is bad. Um, yeah. And that's not the case here. It's really, really impressive uh, what you all have pulled off there. We've got a bunch of questions from folks about the, how this works and, and the UI and whatnot. But first, I think we should do our giveaway. We're, we're at uh, 950 here. Um, so folks, if you have are just joining us for the first time, or if you need a reminder, one of the things we do every single week here on OpenCV Weekly is give away something to you in the audience for free. 
This week, we'll be giving away the OpenCV course of your choosing. You can go to opencv.org courses to see what we have available. There's deep learning with PyTorch. There's, uh, it's a great way to level up your understanding of computer vision and artificial intelligence by learning from the experts at OpenCV, thanks to our friends at uh, Big Vision, for example. Um, <clears throat> so uh, you're going to answer a question that I have come up with based on the slides that, from Ye's presentation here in the zoom chat if you are not in the zoom chat you can get there by going to opencv.live quick um <laughs> so uh, get ready to answer in the zoom chat the first person to answer correctly will win the opencv course of their choosing if you have won in the last two months please do not answer and give someone else a chance to win earlier in the presentation yay talked about how a huge percentage of ai projects fail what percentage Richard already got? <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to, you know. That's why I've been doing two questions. I got, right. I should have done two questions again. I gotta, I gotta throw him some curveballs. Yowza! All right, uh, congratulations, Richard. Uh, Richard Chung, show us. Uh, send one email to phil at opencv.org with the course of your choosing, and we'll make sure that you get access to that for free. Congratulations. Uh, way to get inside my head there. <laughs> um, oh, so I'm also going to, uh, while we're here, before we do a couple of questions, I promised I would read out the names of the teams who have been selected in the spatial AI track of OpenCV AI Competition 2022. I chose 25 teams. Those teams are Weed Seeker Bot, Sudo Wudu, Three Vision. 425 Tian Gong, Control Engineers, Pioneer, Depth Space, Eyes for Humanity, Alba, Robo Eyes, Eagle Eye, Depth Refiners, Spider CV, Spooky, Vision Pie, Mysterios, that's a good one, Spirit, Ko Ko Kawawa Bear, Pixel Match, Ratatouille. Rockford Tech, Dab, Crimson Flippers, 996 Brothers, 8 Bytes, that's A-T-E-B-I-T-E-S, cute, and Smells Like ML. Congratulations to all of these teams. Um, you uh, all already have your promo codes for your free OKD Pro and free shipping for that. So we look forward to seeing your progress as uh, time goes on, you know, some of these teams probably might want to hold their some of their methods to themselves to give themselves a better chance to win, but uh, we encourage you to post about what you're working on using the Oak 22 hashtag. Now we have got a ton of questions. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, but I'm going to ask a few here. Um, Richard, our, our trivia winner would like to know uh, how much, if any, of this framework y'all are building is going to be open source? Uh, actually, uh, we're thinking of open sourcing uh, some of the uh, uh, edge components. Uh, actually, the project that we've done for the OpenCV competition, that was the predecessor to this project. So a mm -hmm. lot of the technologies or innovations that we came up with for this project actually stem from that project. And that project is totally open source. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and so you're saying maybe it's not as not as well polished as, as what you're working on now, but pretty much all the things that exist here do exist in some form in that open source project that uh, from the from the competition. Exactly. Yes. Great. Yeah, you can find that on on GitHub. Um, Ken would like to know. Uh, you, so you mentioned the Microsoft Azure Connect camera. Uh, mm -hmm. I've heard about this a bit from our our friends at Microsoft, but I haven't actually gotten to see one. Um, how do you find the Azure Connect compares to OakD? Uh, actually, we just got our hands on the camera. We haven't had time to play with it yet, but from the limited number of tests that we've seen, it's awesome. The uh, depth perception is very awesome. Cool. Um, yeah, we'll look forward to, you know, if you want to find out more, follow Cortec on, on Twitter or LinkedIn. I'm sure they'll be posting about it once they actually open the box and get to try it out. Um, <laughs> Ken would also like to know what frame rate was that face, face mesh tracking demo running at from earlier? Yeah, uh, it's actually running at 30 frames per second. But okay. if you look at the uh, look at it on the web, 
uh, the web app can only render 15 frames a second. Exactly. So uh, that's why you saw a little bit of choppiness, but uh, the inference is actually the 30. Yeah, so the funny part in a lot of these applications is that the display part is dominant and the inference part is actually taking, it usually <laughs> takes much less uh, time and then you have to display the results and that actually ends up uh, slowing down the system uh, in, in a lot of these demos, but uh, inferences are fast. That's, that's funny. It's, there's a lot of things in artificial intelligence, I think, as an, as an industry and as a, as a workflow that are maybe not, they're sort of backwards from how you would expect if you're, if you're unfamiliar with it. And I think that's definitely one of them. Um, let's see here. Partho, Partho would like to know, so I think you already answered this, that you're, you're hoping to have a, an alpha later this year and a, a public beta in the first quarter of next year. Um, and so you'll, you'll have, uh, do you have any idea of how that'll work? Like, will, will it be something you sign up for and get access to, uh, you know, will they be able to, will there be like a, a private Git repository or something like that? Yeah, so what we're thinking is that uh, for the public data, uh, it's going to be, uh, we're going to have a site set up so that you can set up an, uh, uh, an account. And then once you have the account, you can uh, just get in and, and your, there will be documentations for you to use to, to try to you know, write your own programs on the platform. And uh, oh, uh, what we're thinking also is that it's going to be uh, uh, a very affordable uh, uh, monthly subscription rate right, for for mm. students, so it, it's not going to cost more than uh, a cup of coffee for you per month. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I, I already have a bunch of ideas for this. I want to. I mean, if if somebody wants to build this, here's a freebie for you: um, video game cartridge scanner that automatically looks up the uh, stuff on eBay and also uh, grabs the the cover art and all that all that good stuff. If you build that for me, I will absolutely buy it. Um, it's like a library for. Uh... Cartridges? Exactly, okay. exactly, um, and because you know they spike in value, and some of them, like uh, you know, I have a big enough collection that I don't. It's it's hard to keep track of some of the things that I have. Right. <laughs> um, uh, Tom would like to know: will, Would you be willing to share your slides from the presentation? We'll we'll link them in the YouTube uh, description. If so, is that will you share your slides, Yang? Yeah, absolutely. I'll send it awesome. to you after the presentation. Awesome. Uh, and uh, Raj would like to know what web framework is this built in? Is, is your uh, front end and front end and back end built in? Yeah, actually, uh, all of our technology is built with uh, Flutter. It's not any other uh, web framework. So uh, this will allow us to support all of the platforms at once desktop, mm. mobile, uh, uh, whatnot. And, and yeah, I have, I've never used it. I've I've heard of this, yeah, but, but I've never used it. Yeah, but the programming language you used to develop your app was actually Python. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting. Is it is the so if you were if you're going to compare this with um with some of the other <laughs> there's a ton of Python UI libraries out there um like uh, TKinter and and mm -hmm. and blah blah blah. Do you uh, how how does this compare to that? Why why did you choose Flutter? Yeah. So uh. The actual UI that you saw, they're, they're actually not made with Flutter. Uh, so, so you program those in Python, it's your, your app. Your app is Python based. Mm -hmm. So uh, what we've done is to uh, uh, construct a bunch of display servers and uh, allow you to write Python code that will be displayed with a Flutter uh, display server. Interesting. Well, it, looked, it definitely looks So great. it's uh, it's basically streaming the entire UI uh, is that right? It's it, it's not streaming the UI per se. It's streaming the instructions for building the UI. Okay. Okay. Got it. So it's just kind of yeah. It's 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 very interesting. Yeah. Um, and so what about the what about the back end here? Like, are you using any other any other frameworks? Like, uh, so somebody uh, suggested it might be Django. Uh, uh, no, nothing special. Uh, no? Okay. Everything else is done in Flutter. Uh, cool. Yeah, um, gosh, I think I think that's about it. Uh, thanks so much, Yay, for joining us again. Uh, Satya, you want to take us home? Yeah, so thank you so much, uh, Yay. This was, uh, as always, you always impress us with your presentations, and mm -hmm. this was uh, not an exception. This uh, I really learned a lot from uh, your presentation, and 
I'm sure our audience also enjoyed it a lot. Thanks for coming on the show. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that you'll come to the show again uh, in the future. Uh, this is amazing. Uh, thanks. Yeah, thank yeah, you we'll, for having us here. We'll definitely have uh, to book you for your, for your open beta. Uh, let's go ahead, Satya. Well, I was going to thank you next. <laughs> Shot myself well, in the foot there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thanks for uh, putting this together. Uh, I know it's a lot of hard work, but uh, you know you always come through every week. So, uh, and our wonderful audience, thanks a lot for uh, joining us, and we'll keep uh, bringing high-quality content to you every week. So yeah, that's it from you. us this week. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks, everybody. I am yeah. Phil Nelson, wishing you a great day wherever you may be. Take care of yourselves out there and take care of somebody else if you can. We will see you next week, 9 a.m. sharp, same bat time, same bat channel. Thanks so much for watching this episode of the webinar. Please hit that like button, subscribe, and don't forget to tap the little bell icon to be notified when new episodes drop. This week's episode was brought to you by OpenCV Courses. Learn computer vision and AI from the best at opencv.org slash courses. If you'd like to be in the audience next week, subscribe to the OpenCV newsletter.